are now listening to Sanity at the Movies, Avengers Edition. Welcome to Sanity at the Movies. I'm your humble and obedient host, Nathan Albertson. We've got Pastor Jacob Mentzel over there. Hey, Jake. How you doing? Good. How are you? You ready for a new podcast? Man, I've been waiting for a new podcast. Yeah. What the world needs, if the the world needs one thing, it's more podcasts. And we're here to provide them, as always. Not just more podcasts, more Warhorn Media podcasts. And more podcasts about movies. The world doesn't have enough. podcasts featuring you and me. Yeah. And, And me, maybe. Who said that? Hey. I don't know what I am on this podcast. Well, I'll tell you, Brandon. Yeah. Justine. Hey. From the Bookening fame. Yeah, that's right. Who has the microphone right now? You are going to be in on his this. strong, he's got, able he's hands. He's got two hands on the microphone. He's got so two hands. not giving it over to them, whatever may be sitting to my right. All right, Brandon, Justine, you're the scholar who's the baller of reading. Some people call you fatso. Hey, <laughs> I don't support it. Other people, just you. Maybe other people just, call you Larjo. Maybe just you and Jake. Maybe. Lardo? Is that what you said? Larjo. You can keep your bearded mouth shut. (laughs) All right, so here's the deal. Sanity at the Movies is a podcast featuring me as the host, Jake as the other guy, the, what would we call Jake? The other guy. Yeah. Yeah, but you're not unimportant. Other guy sounds a little dismissive. It features me, Nathan Alberson. I'm your host. It features two friends and... Two friends and other friends. Now, one of those friends... Hey, wait. <laughs> he's Brandon Chastain of The Booking. Yeah, Two yeah, best yeah, hey. friends and then other friends. Right. I other other friends. Hey, I may works, be, I'm, yeah. I'm quitting The Booking, guys. Please don't quit The Booking, Brandon. Well, we really need you want to reward, reward this then? All right. That's okay. We'll be fine without you. We oh, need, whoa. No, no, Brandon. Good luck with context. <laughs> Listen to me. Listen to these words. Well, we, need, we need you, Larjo. <laughs> but I want to introduce our, our other little friend... Hi, man. He has to take the microphone from me first. Yeah, no. Oh, oh. Uh, oh. Hi, Nathan. Hey, Ben. So Benjamin Solzer. Yeah, surprisingly easy to take the uh, microphone from Brandon over here. <laughs> from my large and able hands. From your large and able hands. Not able to stop me. <laughs> hey, Ben, how are you? I'm doing good, Nathan. Hey, I'm so glad to hear it. Ben, you are going to also appear on this podcast with us, right? Because you're I a am. stalwart, one of me and Jake's best friends, and you're going to talk about movies with us, right? I'm going to do it. Ben, what's your favorite movie? Uh-oh. It's a Wonderful Life. Is it? Would you really say that? I think I would. Ben, yeah. if we wanted to hear your thoughts on It's a Wonderful Life, where would we go? You would go to the Sound of Sanity archives, Nathan, and you would dig up. Our uh, our old sanity at the movies. It's a wonderful life episode. Right. Which this this podcast is actually a spinoff. We had so much fun talking about movies that we decided to create a podcast where me and Jake talk about movies with our fun friends who are funnier, smarter, and more godly than you, the listener. And those but not friends, me and Nathan, no, but definitely than you, the listener. Those friends will mostly, I think, <laughs> comprise. <debatable. laughs> <laughs> I think those, those, for those friends will mostly comprise Benjamin Solzer from original Sound of Sanity, Sound of Sanity Classic, Sound of Sanity Vanilla Fame, and of course, our oldest podcasting friend, hey, Lardo. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not That's gonna because they reserve Fetso for you. <laughs> <laughs> but today, only, it's, it's like Highlander, only one of you. Watch his nerd. Brent. Brandon, what are your qualifications to this talk about Avengers Endgame with me and Jake? I liked it. I saw it twice. All right. 
What are your qualifications? Ben, well, bearded one. I I don't really. I mean, I I've seen a lot of Avengers movies, but I haven't seen Endgame, so I'm not qualified to talk with you guys tonight. Really, sounds like he doesn't deserve the mic, Nathan. All right. Well. Yep. We will use the magic of podcasting sound effect to make him snap. Oh yeah. <laughs> been sneaking out thank you oh man his ashy dust <laughs> is on my you. lips that's gross <laughs> all right guys let's talk about avengers endgame now just to tell people a little bit more what this podcast is going to be this podcast we will come out every other week that's my plan we will generally tackle a movie but we may also do other things we may actually also talk about trends uh, in larger pop culture, what else might we do, Jake? We Poetry? might deal with some shows, TV shows. TV shows. If you want to call them TV shows anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's all... So we're going to we're gonna talk about all kinds of visual media that we've seen, and we're going to talk about the moral of it. We're, movies is going to be the heart of it. That's why we call it Sanity at the Movies. But we're also going to talk about, you know, big picture stuff, where things are headed. Yeah, um, I guess point the is... The future not- of film and TV and entertainment. Uh, we're going to dissect some bad takes. Right. Oh, yeah. I I dare say. As you as you may remember from our uh, Sound of Sanity podcast, we like to dissect bad takes. I dare say. Jake dare said. I dare say. Both dare said. And Brennan's here. He's our good friend from the Booking Fun Literature Podcast. Better if you friend. Am I the only one who was weirded out by Spider-Man's ashes being all over Iron Man's lips in Infinity War? I never noticed that. It's, yeah, it's gross. But those are his ashes on Spider-Man's lips. He ate Spider-Man. <laughs> Iron Man's lips. There you go. You heard it here first, folks. You heard it here first. <laughs> Guys, so point is, not every episode is going to be a straight up, we tackle one movie, we talk about it, review it. In that sense, it won't be like our other podcast that we do with Brandon the Bookening. But a lot of episodes may be like that. But we reserve the right to do other kinds of things, but it'll all be kind of related to visual media, right, Jake? That's right. Today before us is Avengers Endgame. Yep. The 22nd or 23rd or whatever it is movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Guys, let's talk about Endgame. Let's do it. So we all like the MCU yep. well enough. Yeah. I'm hit and miss on stuff. I mean. I like it all, more or less. Dark World? It's- Captain Marvel? Uh Maybe the literal worst. That is the worst. Um, and she had some of the worst parts of this movie, too. Yeah. No, she was terrible. Yeah. I th- was cool. really worried there for a moment they were going to do something stupid with her. Brie Larson is a terrible, terrible... Is ter- she may not be a terrible actress. I don't know, but it's terrible casting, at least. Yeah, she does not. She doesn't seem to have much respect for the genre. She does have... The only thing she really has respect for is the fact that it gives her a platform to share her intriguing opinions. opinions and views all right guys well infinity war was good we like the marvel things we probably don't like the dc things i think we fall fairly in the camp of normal people like most people probably feel about the way that we feel wouldn't you say is there anything unique about well, you said infinity war was good i didn't really like it that much but well i didn't like it at, at the time but i like it now yeah Okay, fine. I like it now, too. You didn't like it when you first saw it. I was disappointed no. by the ending because it was so obviously and transparently a cheat. Yeah. But ah, I guess I was the, more okay with the ending than you guys were. I, I mean, to walk, like, we're supposed to be on this cliffhanger. Like, they're not going to, like, oh, no, they killed T'Challa in Spider-Man. No, they didn't. Yeah, no, they didn't. 
I just I just thought that I thought that killing those two characters in particular sort of ruined some of the magic, the ability to suspend disbelief that they weren't going to win and bring everybody back. No, yeah. yeah, of course they were. And it was it was those two in particular. If they just killed the people, the other people, it would have been fine. But they killed those two, and it's like, commercially speaking, there's no way. They're not killing Spider-Man. They've already announced another Spider-Man movie. They're mm-hmm. not killing T'Challa. Black Panther was literally playing a theater over from Infinity War when we saw it. It was still in theaters because it was so big. Yeah, it was huge. And, I mean, I guess maybe you could argue that Okoye will wear the Black Panther, but come on, let's be honest. But everything leading up to that was pretty good. Okay, here's a thought to get us going. I would say Infinity War in and of itself, apart from context, is a better movie than Endgame. True or false? True. I would say true to that. Better humor, better action. It has a story. I mean, Endgame is just like a collection of scenes in search of... It's a lot of really good moments. Yeah. Endgame is a lot of really good moments. Also, some pretty lame moments, as I'm sure we'll talk about. Infinity War actually cuts between the different sets of characters really nicely, gives them all interesting missions. It's just, it's actually... It holds together a lot better. fairly legit. I like Endgame. I mean Infinity War. No, sorry, yeah, Infinity War. Yeah, Infinity War holds together just fine. I think... Even to the end when you get the snap. Yep. If you don't account for the fact that the other characters are going to have to come back. Thanos is one of the most intriguing villains. Maybe one of the only. Yeah, at least in the MCU. Outside of Loki. I would say Phase 3 had some good villains. Vulture, Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell is a good villain. But Marvel has historically had some really terrible villains, as everyone knows. Yes. Well, Endgame, guys. What'd you think? We're just going to... This is full spoilers. People, if you haven't seen Endgame, come back. I mean, if you just want our shorthand opinion, it was fine. Whatever. We liked it. It was fine. It was good. It was was a good movie. You should see it. If you don't like superhero movies, don't see it. Yeah, it doesn't transcend the genre, I wouldn't say, or transcend the MCU or anything like that. It's if, if, if this is your first time in a while, this isn't a good first time in a while. Yeah. But uh, if you're wondering what the hype's all about, it really is about 11 years of in 20-some movies. Yeah, it's about legacy. It's about nostalgia. It's about kids that were 10 when the first one, Iron Man, came out and have grown up with this stuff. Yeah. It's about that kind of thing. Yeah. So in that light... The best way I've come to terms with this movie is I look at each character's plot line mm-hmm. and do I find the movie satisfying for that plot line? Black Widow, yes. Iron Man, yes. The whole Nebula, yes. Yes, Nebula, definitely. Nebula, yes. fantastic, yeah. Hawkeye, for the most part, yes. For the most part. And there are problems with his storyline, too. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that he's just so casually hugs his children after murdering thousands of people right. with a samurai sword. You're not supposed to really think too much about that. Nope, except, you're, you're never supposed to think. Yeah, except for the fact that it gives Black Widow's weight, death some weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I almost think that the best thing to do is to just talk character by character through yeah. their storylines. Yeah, that, that's that's what I was kind of... All right, Iron Man, great. Yeah, fantastic. You can't ask for a better ending to Iron Man. You know, one of the interesting things about Iron Man, I think, is he's one of the few characters, I think there are exactly two characters from the original six Avengers who survived that have moved on from the snap. It's him and Hulk. Right. Are the only two that have moved on. And he has moved on. He started a family. Yep. He's he, he married Pepper. He's got a daughter. He's got his little cabin in the woods with his little farm and whatever. He's moved on. And so... He has moved into acceptance mm-hmm. in the stages of grief. Right. 
Yeah, and he, he's matured into the father figure that we've seen him. Since homecoming, at the very least. Yeah, yes, been... well, over the course of the whole MCU, that's what he's going... You know, the movie declares that this is an Iron Man movie when it opens with a classic rock song. Right. And it and then opens on Tony. And that, by the way, that Tony and Nebula paper football thing was just awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I would say the first... Everything leading up to the credits in this movie, awesome. And That was then, after the credits, right? Um, no, it was leading up to the... Was yeah, it? Leading up, leading up to the Avengers, Avengers title, oh, yeah, card. title yeah, card. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that you know, you've got the Marvel logo, right? Yeah. And the Mar- Marvel logo hits, and we get a classic rock song, which is how every Iron Man movie I huh. think begins. The very first one with an ACDC song, right? Why I wanted to point this out that he's moved on is that my trouble is with all the characters that haven't moved on, which is everybody else, right? They don't have the you know they play that over and over in the trailers. Cap saying some move on, but not us, right? I think we should just get to it. So Tony Stark's tra- trajectory in this movie, he has a family, he's moved on, he's made a life for himself, everything's great. When destiny calls, he tells Pepper, or Pepper tells him actually, yeah, you're never going to be able to sleep. You don't, never you don't, be able to rest. You're, you're not going to be able to rest if you don't. It's do important it. because that gets echoed in the last. Yeah, right. yeah. she says you can rest you now. Can rest you can now, rest now. Right. And so. Which provides the most disappointing opportunity that the movie did not take advantage of for Bucky to say that to Cap. Yeah, well, we'll talk. We'll talk about that in yeah. less yep. than a minute. Tony gives up his family. Goes hears the call of destiny. Goes on one last big adventure. Yep, it's all him. It's he all him. He figures out time travel. He figures out time travel, which Iron sucks. Man. By the way, I hate that this movie is about time travel. I hate time travel for anyone. Yeah, because the biggest problems of this movie are largely related to that. Well, yeah, some of the biggest problems. But let's talk about the moral content of this movie because okay. that's. That's the most important thing. So Tony sacrifices himself. He dies. Spoil- Great. Spoilers. Great story. Now, contrast that. Does that fit with the rest of Tony's trajectory over the MCU? Sure. Yeah. Well, basi- Absolutely. basically every yep. Iron Man movie has been about Tony's a selfish pig that learns to. But he's learning to sacrifice. Take responsibility. Right. And they've done a really well, nice job. That's what the first Avengers was about. You that's know, right. It hinged on that whole scene of, are these guys actual heroes? Is Cap the only real hero here? Right. Rogers, you're just a science experiment. You take away the suit, what are you? You're not a hero. You're not a guy that would that would fall on the grenade. And yeah, then he falls on the grenade. He falls on the grenade in Avengers in that movie, and they're a team. And then they cleverly subvert our expectations and have him be the one that wants to be more responsible in Civil War. Don't know that it quite tracks with everything, but whatever, it's fine. It's what they wanted to do. And then, well, the Russo brothers had a clear arc for Cap, and they just absolutely ignored what Whedon did in Age of Ultron. Which is dumb. We'll get there, right? Yeah, well, I want to talk about Cap. But Homecoming, Tony's a really great father figure. That scene that, that scene is yeah. great. I just watched it the other day on YouTube, the scene where he takes away Spider-Man's suit. Yeah, that was awesome. It's just like, that was a really good dad scene, good discipline scene, yeah. whatever. You know, it really works. And you buy it coming from Tony, and he's still snarky, and he's still Tony, but... He carries some real fatherly weight there in a really cool way. And Robert Downey Jr. is a great actor, bar none, the best actor that the franchise has had. And, you know, no the, question. the founder of the franchise and all that. Maybe outside of Drax. Maybe outside of Drax. <laughs> Drax is pretty great. He really knows how to stay in his Robert Downey Jr. persona, how to stay inside the Tony Stark snarky persona and still bring some weight to the darn thing. Now, yeah. let's get to it. Captain 
America? What is his trajectory over the MCU? So Cap starts out in First Avenger. He's just a good guy who wants to serve his country and be helpful in anything he can do. And then he's brought back. And he is the guy that is needed to bring the Avengers together. And it doesn't happen without him because Tony's too cynical. Uh, Thor's too Shakespearean. Thor, Thor's just Thor's kind too of... lame. And you know what we don't need is a Norse god. What we don't need is a cynical, selfish narcissist. What we don't need is an evolutionary scientist. What we don't need is the turncoat spy. What we need is an old school Christian man who's just going to man up and lead and pull everybody together. And that was the great thing about the way that they played Cap, the way that Whedon played Cap in that first Avengers film was his superpower actually wasn't, you know, that he was a crazy good soldier or fighter. It was that he was a good man and a good leader. And they leaned into that. When the Rousseau brothers got Winter Soldier, which was one of the coolest movies and may still be the coolest movie in the MCU, just in terms of making everything feel grounded and real and gritty, what they started playing with was disillusioning Cap, embedding the idea that he's actually just a a guy who doesn't have any identity but to be a soldier and to fight and just wants to give himself to a cause. And he's actually a pretty broken guy. Uh, In between that and Civil War, you have Age of Ultron. And in Age of Ultron, he's sort of, He's just like team player and he's what he was, more of what he was in the first Avengers movie. And then boom, you go to Civil War and then Cap is back to, you know, so they did, they yo-yo with him. But the Russo brothers have a clear clear trajectory for him and that trajectory is for him to become that much more disillusioned, that much more untrusting, that much more just the safest hands are our own. It's just us, us versus the world and we know best and we can't trust anybody but we're going to do the right thing. The My point is, you know, Cap's trajectory has been for a long time. As Tony's become more heroic, Cap has become more cynical and disillusioned. And, you know, it's like what Cap, what Tony needs is to become more selfless and more sacrificial and more of a team player. And what Cap needs is to become more like Tony. That's what's consummated in this movie. And that's what's so dumb about it is Tony becomes the real hero. But Cap, meanwhile, is, you know, from the from the start of the movie, he, he can't move on. And you just think, these guys, they hate Cap. Mm-hmm. They hate what he stands for. They hate what he represents. And so they're just, like, intent on subverting everything that's really great about Cap throughout the course of the whole movie. So one of the first scenes we get with Cap is, you know, he's... A, he's like gay pandering he's lead, Yeah, it's a gay pandering scene. He's leading a recovery group, and he's... You know, and one of the Rousseau brothers is there talking about the date that he had with this other guy, and Cap's all like, that's great. I mean, I think they just hate Cap, and they hate the mm. kind of person that likes Cap. If you're a conservative sort who loves Captain America and what he stands for, then they just want to subvert that, and they want to rub your nose in it. They go back in time to that Joss Whedon version of Captain America, and they mock him to pieces. Like, Loki mocks him, and then... Cap mocks himself, like modern Cap mocks old Cap, and they mock his his uh, his physique. Yeah, his physique and his big line that actually means something. I can do this all day, which has been a really strong theme that they've been able to pull on with Captain America, and they pull it out 
There are all kinds of ways they could have used it powerfully in this movie. And instead, they pulled it out and used it as a punchline. Mm -hmm. And see, look, even Captain America is disgusted and sick of Captain America. Like, isn't that hilarious? Ha ha. And so... But Jake, he gets to wield Thor's hammer because he's worthy. And that means nothing. By the time that you're going to wield Thor's hammer, what does it mean to be worthy? Yeah, Lebowski could have done the same thing. Apparently, yeah, apparently the big Lebowski could have done the, the same thing. Why? Because Thor spent the last five years being a fat, alcoholic, chip-eating gamer. And, and so, but he's still worthy. So what does it mean to be worthy? It doesn't mean much. By the way, easy plot fix. Have Thor not able to wield the hammer. I know, I know it's not that easy of a plot fix because how would he have gotten the hammer and brought it back from blah, blah, blah. But you can fix that with some tiny crap. Come on, you can fix Come it. on, you can fix that. But yeah, have it like be a fun thing. Like, oh no, Thor was a schlubby idiot. Now he's not worthy. Who will be worthy? Oh, yeah. it's Captain America. America. Exactly. Really easy thing. But they didn't want to do that. Yeah, I wonder if that had been a nice character arc and development. No, but that's not what they wanted. They wanted to take yeah. all of the men and fathers of the MCU and render them completely impotent and or retire them. And so the only one they cared about was Tony. Mm -hmm. And so they killed him because they cared about him, but they still needed to get rid of him. And it's, and they turned Cap into a broken, selfish... Selfish? Why do you say selfish? Whatever do you mean? I mean that he had a chance to move on and, well, there were all kinds of ways to move on. He took the selfish route. Though, and he yeah. took, the, he took yeah. the absolute most selfish route possible. Which was? Which was to go back in time and to have Peggy and to live a life of, uh, where he would not be able to use any of his gifts or powers for any kind of good. The war was over, Jake. It's time for him to retire. No, according to the timeline, all those things would have still been going on while he was alive. But he already knew that they succeeded. Yeah, but he would have had to be Captain America while Bucky was in prison for how long? While Bucky was being used to Yeah, so kill just the fact that he would not go back in people time. People like Tony's parents. Yeah, just so he while, would not, yeah. You know, the Cold War was a thing while That's a big plot. I mean, that's just so stupid right there. He worked through Peggy Carter to found Shield, a wonderful organization. But that Captain was infiltrated America infiltrated by yeah. Hydra, but he couldn't do anything about that. And Captain America really showed that he was willing to just sit on the sidelines in all these movies. Well, because he knew the other Captain America was out there saving the day. Anytime important happened, he'd, he'd already saved it. Look, Are you guys saying that it's wrong to ever retire or take a little me time? Is that what you're saying? I'm saying that, no, it's not wrong to retire. But for Cap at that point... The height of his powers. Yeah, at the I height mean, of his powers like to decide that he's just going to go live in the 1940s. Peace out. It just did and not peace out on character. everybody. Yeah, that was uh, it. Was just a regression. It wasn't growth, and and it was the fact that he was stuck. Like the whole idea of moving on. Tony moved on, right? right? Cap didn't move on. Cap Cap still carried around a compass with Peggy Carter's picture from 1944 in it. He had this relationship with Sharon Carter, right? Peggy's niece. You know, they kissed in Civil War or whatever, and it was too long in coming, and it was a great, sweet thing that happened. And, you know, there was a chance to move on, but no, Cap is calcified in his brokenness, and so he's going to go back and be with Peggy. Yeah, it was dumb. I was just playing the devil's advocate before in case anybody was 
unclear about that fact. I were you unclear? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm glad to know. Yeah, no, no, no. I thought it was. I thought it was dumb. I thought it was honestly. I don't really want to go back and watch Captain America movies anymore. That's just, well. I think it yeah. retroactively ruined Captain America for me. Like, and that that's really sad because Cap was my guy, and Cap was my guy because. Cap was the closest, the triumph of what they had, what they did early on with Captain America was they gave me the Superman of my childhood back, right? Mm -hmm. Like they gave, how do you pull off in 2012 or 2011 or 10, uh, 2011 or whenever Captain America came out, 2012 when the first Avengers came out, how do you pull off a Captain America type? Like they did it. Well, and the genius of it was, you basically just go for it. If you're Joss Whedon, you do it with a tiny bit of a wink, which I like. In, in the same sense that Christopher Reeves just went for it, the original 70s Superman movies. Like, just give it to people. What does Cap say in, in the Avengers? The There's only one God, ma'am, and he's... And he doesn't, he doesn't dress, dress like, like that. He doesn't yeah. dress like that. So that's Joss Whedon having a little fun at Cap's expense, maybe. I was having more fun at Thor's expense. It's a cornball line that a cornball guy would say, and we understand sure. that. But I don't think that that's Joss Whedon ultimately making fun of Cap or putting down. He's no. basically just saying, this guy's cornball and he's awesome. Deal with it. Yeah. Yep. And that's the genius of the first Avengers. There's that wonderful, so corny, so wonderful scene where Loki's like, bow before me. And then this old guy stands up and he looks really Jewish. And yeah. he's like, I know men like you, you know, and then Cap, you know. And then he's going to blast him and then boom, Cap with his shield. Loki, yeah. by the way, a real jerk. And then we're supposed to forget about that in <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> subsequent yeah. movies, all, all the millions of lives that Loki ended. Oh, well, or attention span is not something that modern filmmakers are much interested in cultivating for people. No, no, no. And you kind of have to just go along with it. You kind of just have to be like, okay, well, I guess for the sake of being entertained, we can forget that Loki's a yeah. mass murderer here. Well, for me, with the in-game, it, does, it doesn't surprise me knowing who the Russo brothers are. Mm-hmm. Um, who are they, Brandon? Well, they're, they're directing the background. They came from having directed a lot of Community, which mm-hmm. was a ironic hipster TV show. Sure was. And also... Uh, episodes of Arrested Development, another ironic which was also hipster. another ironic hipster TV show. And so the fact that they directed those movies, that's what made them famous, and that's what grabbed the Russo brothers. That's what grabbed Marvel's attention for right. some reason. Yeah. Well, Marvel's been very good about seeking out interesting indie kind of people. Yeah. And But if you know anything about those shows, they they pride themselves on this sort of ironic stance towards the American ideal. And it would be this perfect mentality for someone who would not have any way to grasp or understand a Captain America. Right. And so that's how I see this movie is they had the perfect lens for understanding who Iron Man was. He's ironic and sarcastic. And of course, they want him to end up being a hero. Right. But they have no way of comprehending Captain America. They have no way of comprehending Thor. Well, I want to clarify or add on to something that Jake said. Jake said they hate fathers. They hate men. They hate Captain America. I think that's absolutely 100% true. I also think they would never admit that and they haven't admitted that to themselves. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. it is, I think they they yeah, I don't like know that it's they conscious. like they like their Captain America. Like they're they're just like, yeah. oh, he's like us. He made the right choice. He finally decided to Well they can they can have a Captain America if that Captain America is a woman or is black. Yeah, that's true. Although is that too on PC to say? No, I don't think it is. I mean Captain Captain Marvel, she's done nothing heroic. Her movie gives her nothing interesting or heroic to do, and we're supposed to just accept that she's great. And Black Panther is 
his world's Captain America. Well, Brandon, you haven't seen her his movie, and it wasn't my favorite, but it is actually pretty good. It's is pretty it? good. So he's a good he's a good hero. He's a man. I okay. mean, we can yeah. we can accept that. But yeah, the level of is it misandry when you hate men? Is that is that the reverse misogyny? Misogyny. Yes, misandry. Yeah, misandry. Yes. Um, the level of misandry. That's a nice word on on display in this movie. You got Captain America giving up and being selfish. You got. Chris Evans literally getting need in the testicles. Yep. You yes. got Thor. No, Chris, uh, Chris Pratt. Pratt. Chris Pratt. Who did I say? Chris? <laughs> no, that would be, they wouldn't quite go that far. Maybe they basically did metaphorically. Um, Chris yep. Pratt, you've got, who are the other men in the MCU? You've got Thor being a schlubby jerk. Mm-hmm. Yep. You've got Hulk. Hulk being a funny bro, which he's always kind of been ever since. Clint well, Spider-Man. Yeah. Spider-Man's just a kid. I mean, he'll... I mean, we should spend time on Thor, and maybe you're planning to get there, but... Well, let's, plan, let's, let's get there now. Well, the big disappointment with Thor is they actually had a good arc with Thor in, in Ragnarok and then leading into Infinity War. Right? Absolutely. Yeah, Infinity War was in some ways a Thor movie, him coming to terms with... It was a Guardians movie, but yes, it was very Well, Thor as being now part of their world. Right. Yeah. Because he fits very well in that world. I mean... One yep. of the best, one of the funniest moments in Endgame is the last scene between Chris Pratt and Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, struggling over that power. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and then Thor's but, scenes with Rocket are genuinely moving. Actually. Yeah, and in so, Infinity but War, the, yeah. the, the trajectory yeah, well, in Infinity War was he didn't know if he could. He came to doubt his power, and then he came to accept his power and right. take it and come back and almost defeat Thanos. Yeah. And so, but then the way that this next movie decides to handle it is to have him become a fat schlub. And he never comes out of that arc. He's always a flat, fat schlub in this movie. And he doesn't really get punished for it. Like, like if he couldn't pick the hammer up, I actually think yeah. that would be a cool, like, there's a consequence for being a fat schlub kind of a Well, yeah, but situation. the point is to make every man an emasculated joke. Mm-hmm. So they make Cap... Uh, essentially an impotent joke and they give him a moment of potency where he picks up the hammer and he fights Thanos and he Avengers assemble. But the, but the reason that that's worth even examining as much as we are is because that moment didn't make me cry and that's insane. Well, it didn't land. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't land, land it, because emotionally. they had subverted it at every other point in the film. Which and moment? they subverted when, it. When Cap wields the hammer, like yeah. that should They be. subverted it in how they, in how they filmed and scored it. I mean, the, every aspect of it was subverted. That's the truth. But the the fact with with Thor is, you know, okay, so in Ragnarok, they found a Thor that was likable and fun. Cool, but that Thor still felt tremendous responsibility for his people. Mm-hmm. And, and the movie ends with a cheesy Power Rangers kind of a moment, but it's also a sincere, like, empowered male kind of a moment. It's like, find your power inside, and you're the real lightning god. And, and he does, and he wins. Right. And... You know, boom, we pick up an Infinity War and Thanos is there and Thanos has decimated them all. And they had no hope against Thanos. Like we, you see in that post credits in Ragnarok, like Thanos' ship right. versus their ship. It's like, there's no hope. Thanos' ship could swallow a thousand of their ships. Okay, so now he's just sad Thor. He's still jock dude bro Thor and it's funny. But it's more. It becomes more tragic throughout Infinity War. Yeah. But then he gets his axe and he goes and he almost kills Thanos. Right. So then we come back. We pick up an Endgame 
And he's just a, f- a fat schlub. And I don't mind starting there with him. I don't mind him being depressed. I don't mind even him switching roles with Valkyrie, which they just did. Right. For no good reason. Like she comes out of it and now she's cool and chill and he's just a drunk. But he never, it's what Brandon said earlier, is that he never got out of it for the whole movie. What they what they definitely needed him to do was to go cry to his mom. Right. And for his mom to be awesome and for him still not to come out of it. And okay, it's funny, but he just never gets out of it. He never gets out of it. I just think it's cheap and the whole point of it is to emasculate the men. Yeah. Well, To make them all impotent. And so they are. We've made this point before in other uh, podcast media things, but if you doubt that, if you think we're just seeing a liberal conspiracy where there isn't one, you should really read liberal reviews, read reviews in progressive newspapers. And I don't know, people read newspapers, but find movie reviews and you will see people on the other side praising the movie for these very qualities. For doing just that. Yeah. Now, everybody makes fun of the shot, the the that one shot is too pandering even for feminists. The shot where all the women, women are all lining up yeah. behind Captain America. That's yep. so obviously pandering that I've read multiple takes by feminists where they're just like, come on, guys, you can do better propaganda than that. Yeah, and, I mean, like I I thought in the theater and my wife and I talked about afterwards about how they shot their own feet off when they when they shot that scene. Yeah. Except for one aspect of it, which is that, you know, little girls think that scene's pretty cool. Oh, I, I thought you were going to say, because the wasp looks really confused to be there. That's <laughs> pretty funny. The wasp always looks confused to be yeah. everywhere because she's played by Evangeline Lilly. She was always looking. Kate, like, like why am I an actress Kate, again? It's like, yeah. we don't know. Kate, Kate, we don't Kate know. has about yeah. two expressions. Always, yeah, exactly. I was going to say, I was going to give her three, but you, you weren't going to go that far. She's got pouty. <laughs> she's got confused. I think that might be it. Seductive. Yeah, pouty, confused, seductive. And seductive is usually either confused, seductive, or pouty, seductive. <laughs> yeah. Fair. You know, and I really think w- when it comes to Thor, he wasn't just a sacrifice for for the feminists. I think he was a, fa- a sacrifice for the nerds. That's what I think. We can't have somebody that looks this manly, this traditionally <laughs> that's, manly. Yeah, that's this, that, that's this traditionally manly and this traditionally handsome, any imp- like. You take out Cap and you take out Thor, and then who do you have left? The sciencey nerdy guy, right? And he's the one that that saves the day by being sciencey and nerdy, and not being virtuous, and not being just like awesome and strong and cool. Right. I, I, I mean, I just think it's a, as much fan service for the nerds. Mm. Nerds win, kind of thing. Interesting. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that. Uh, angle, uh, yeah. Well, when you consider how much they were not actually giving to the nerds throughout the course of the whole movie. I really think it was just a bit of, as much of anything, a bit of fan service. Like, you know. Thank you nerds for sticking with us. Well, yeah. Like, you know, you come to the movie and, you know, you you can't get behind everything and the time travel stuff's a little bit weird, but at least they stuck it to that dude bro Thor. And I'm so happy that he was a fat, stupid slob who ended the movie as impotent as he did. That's interesting. Yeah, but I've always... I just think it's so counterproductive because I just think there's a whole legion of kids and little boys and people like me who, I mean, I've said this before in various Warhorn media, I never liked Robin. I never liked Robin because I didn't want to imagine myself. Like, what would it be like to be Batman's sidekick? No. Yeah. The question, the question for every little boy, for me, what would it be like to be Batman? Yeah, that's, absolutely. That's, that's what I want to imagine. I want heroes that are larger than life that are bigger than me and so marvel's whole gimmick and formula from from 
from day one from Iron Man has been what would it be like if heroes were just like cool hangout people like us. Yeah. And I think that's effective and I think that's why we like it and they sure done a better job with it than uh, Zack Snyder's faux myth making. Yeah, no kidding. So I don't want to be too hard on that, but there was at least one guy who was better than us, Captain America. Yeah. And Joss Whedon knew how to do it with a little wink that made it palatable and he was good. And by the end of Infinity War, Thor. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But again, I mean, yeah, it's just... I. I keep going back to the, who the Russo brothers are mm-hmm. and this will just smack of bookening stuff with me because I am all about the author and stuff, but sure. the directors here, their hatred of their ironic hipsterism just comes through. They can't accept these men. Well, there's things we, they we can, yeah, they can accept Tony. We were talking off mic about the, the cinematography. And so like that moment when Cap gets the hammer, the, the person, me and Jake keep talking about this and we keep comparing it to Peter Jackson because Peter Jackson, when he does a big moment in one of his movies, he does it so cornily. It's like, oh, yeah. here come the Rohirrim over the ridge. Like, everything's lost. And then Gandalf shows up. And and in the glow of the light behind yeah, him. You better believe the, the sun comes up behind him. Just as, yeah, because <laughs> of course it is. Right. In slow motion. By as, sunrise on the third. Yeah. There's the sun. <laughs> Will you join your king? Yes, I will. And then they <laughs> they ride down in slow motion and the music swells and it's this beautiful music and it's in slow motion and the bad guys are quivering and the sun is coming up and the sun actually gets in the bad guys' eyes and they all go, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. It's, it's so this over the top. Yeah, but ruining it for every me. time I saw that lands. moment, I, it lands. It does land, I, yeah. I would cry. It was like, yay. I mean, people yeah. uh, people would actually cheer in the theater like, the Rohirrim are coming. Yay. Yeah, I remember crying at that scene. It's great. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you can criticize it for being corny and stupid and on the nose all you want. And I'm it is. But man, does it land. I and, and it's like the, the Russo brothers are principled against letting anything like that land. They're, they're so committed to standing sideways from every heroic moment. Or from from making it all feel just so passive, right? We're just sort of passively watching these great things happen because there's a lot of great things happening. You know, you want at that moment, the filmmaker, the camera, everything to be on the right side and not just sort of like objective. Well, you want you, you just want to feel like the authorial vision was intentional and you want that intention to be, this is the coolest thing you've ever seen. Absolutely. Like, and so- whether it's slow motion, there's all kinds of ways to do it. But the camera should be telling you at that moment that this is awesome and Cap is standing for justice and this villain's going to get it. And you should be really feeling. But instead, it's a flat shot. It's not under Cap. It's not looking up at him with reverence. It's just straight on. And it it's, comes out of no. There's no particular build to it. There's not a series of shots leading up to it. It's just there. And it's just suddenly happening. And there's any there's there's a million different ways that you could do it to give it some heft cinematically. We don't have to talk about cinematography, but just just very simply, just think about. I mean, the, the, that's that's why I bring up Peter Jackson because you can imagine how he would have done it. You can imagine the the hammer there and Calf sees it and he runs in slow motion and the music swells and he grabs it. So that's one really corny, obvious way to do it. There's all there's other other more subtle, more artistic ways to do it. But the point is, do it. And the Russo brothers' whole aesthetic is just like. Here we are. Cool stuff is happening. And it's kind of refreshing. You know, like the first, whatchamacallit, the uh, Winter Soldier Winter Soldier was refreshing because it's just Winter like, Soldier was refreshing. Okay, if I was really seeing superheroes do superhero stuff, this is kind of 
what a documentary camera would capture. They're 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 not I playing it up. The, I thought the action in Winter Soldier was really really great and cool for that reason. It was like, oh man, like in Winter Soldier, Cap could fight, right? And you understand like Cap is awesome. But that, was, a, that was cool. At a certain point, that thing pays stopped paying for itself. It had the effect in the MCU that the Bourne movies had on just like action and spy thriller type things in general. Not that it was especially Bourne in Winter Soldier, but it had a similar kind of grounding effect. And that was cool. But yeah, when you when it comes to and, and the idea that these wildly fantastical superheroes going to get a grounded treatment, that's a nice conceit like but even within that you a nice still have to like like actually civil war also by the Russo brothers has a, has a good way of doing that for the most part that final say. fight the final fight between iron man and civil war or civil yes. war what's his name captain america it actually we, we get some slow motion it's not maybe the most elegant cinematic solution um if you're gonna be a snob like me but the point is we get it like at a certain point they just stand back and they say these are two titans clashing you 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 really feel it and 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 they through the camera through the music that they use they tell the story of not just dad and mom fighting but dad and mom if dad and mom were gods and that's what you want but you get very little of that actually even tony's final moment is just very well i got the jewels now and i'm going to say my line like it feels like an afterthought and as a matter of fact I found an article today that said it was an afterthought. Yeah, that you, blew my mind when you told me that. They the Russo's what? so Thanos says I am inevitable Iron Man says I am Iron Man. That wasn't in the script. That was a reshoot. A last minute From reshoot. a couple months ago. The editor said, "You know, Tony should really say I am Iron Man." And they were like, "Oh, that's a good idea." Which to me it's just like Which makes me realize that yeah. It makes you realize how little of a actual hand is at the controls here because how much just, yeah how little control they had over it which makes me think that the whole stuff with captain america really they did not they didn't realize what they were doing they didn't think it through they it thought makes none me of hate them and like them a little bit more both yeah. it, it makes them it makes me may not make me like them i don't like more. them anymore well it, it makes, makes me think, think it may it gives a little maybe less credence to the fact that they were intentionally it's subverting less, it feels less yes. a little less it's nefarious less like they're malicious more like they're stupid yes for what that's worth yeah I and mean. i think that it i think they kind of are stupid this is might Look, be a silly point if you point. cannot come if you don't come to the end of tony stark you get all the way through and if you've never had the thought that he should say i am iron man that's that's like that's, it means you never watched the movies. You've, it's like you've never watched the movies. Yeah. It's like you've never paid attention. It's like what is wrong with you? I am Iron Man. I'm, I'm, I'm it, sorry, it makes not me to be a snob, but Iron Man. I am Iron Man is the first thought that you come up with. You reject it because it's too obvious. You think of a million other things, and then maybe you circle back around and say, "Okay, let's just do that." That's yeah, great. but only if because you come. It it, only yeah. if you come up with the perfect setup for it. Right. Right. And it's like, like if you look at, I wrote down my final predictions for this thing. Mm-hmm. And they all had lines attached to them. Right. What would have been I am Iron Man when Tony snapped? We predicted that Tony would wield the gauntlet to kill Thanos and bring everybody back was how we predicted it. And it was, I am Iron Man. I am Tony Stark. You know my name. I hope they forget you or just forget you. Right? (laughs) Like, um, Go for the head. I went for the head was one that we predicted. I went for the head. Yeah, was one that we predicted. We predicted Thor would kill Thanos by cracking his skull. And I went for the head. We also thought after Cap wields the hammer, Thanos should try to grab it on the field and not be able to do it. Then Thana, then Thor cracks his head and says, you're not worthy. Right. 
and then turns and says, I went for the head. Right. You know, that would have, you know, we're, maybe we're Joss Whedoning it, or maybe I was Joss Whedoning it in my, you know, Black Widow dies sacrificially. I've got red in my ledger. Did she say that? No, she didn't she say did. that. I put, I actually put, I've got red in my ledger, and then she dies, and then Clint says, not anymore. Right. <laughs> you know, as... Well, this is a good example, because these are cheesy, but... Those are exactly the things that you come up with, and then you decide: is it too cheesy or not? Exactly. I, I am Iron you Man. Start is one of the first the, that you start with that's the my whole point is that these are the places that you start with all right. these things. And so, if you're going to end with Cap in the 1940s, they dance, and then she asks, you know, if this is too much, or if you know he's tired, or if his feet hurt, and he says, "I can do this all day." Right. Right. Like, because of course that's how you do it. Yeah, but they didn't think of any of that stuff because they're dumb. They didn't even think of it. Is the part that blows my mind. Which is what makes me think this is not some malicious liberal conspiracy. This is just a couple of progressive liberal idiots, idiots. that mm-hmm. are just doing what comes natural to them. Because they had the gall to make fun of every other movie's time travel and then make huge mistakes with their own. Well, I hate time travel so much. I'm yeah, not going to go still, if you're going to make but... fun of other time travel, then yeah, you, you better gotta... have a self-consistent system. And they couldn't even bother to do that. And then, no. th- then the whole mess with Captain America. I mean, there are real problems. I mean, it's just, yeah. It's just stupid. It's a mess. How does he get the stones back into their original shape? Right. Well... He's not a magician. I just think, okay, they don't believe in authority. They don't believe in manliness. I think that... uh, People might think I'm being over the top here, but I think that trickles down into how they tell their stories. And so this story is a shapeless mess. Nobody exercised a rigorous, authoritative hand over the shaping of this story. It's just kind of there. It's just like this thing happens, but this other thing could just as easily happen. It doesn't all feel inevitable. It doesn't all well feel constructed. well have asked J.D. Salinger to write the script. They, sh- they should have. <laughs> Shut up, Brandon. He's making a reference to our other podcast, The Booking. You can listen to it. We could talk about Catcher in the Rye all day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, all day. <laughs> um, this all day. I am inevitable. <laughs> but it's just, it's just shapeless. So, so I went to a wedding, and the pastor preached this lame sermon from The Message. He, pe- he preached, for some reason, he decided to do Ephesians 5, but which is the wives be subject to your husbands is the line from Ephesians 5. But he preached this from the message, and the line in the message translation is, wives support and help your husbands in the same way that you would support Christ. And so this pastor obviously didn't believe in authority. He didn't believe in masculinity. He didn't believe in any of that. The wedding then was trash. The wet, like The songs didn't start at the right time. Everything was miscued. You ended up feeling bad for the bride because nothing happened the way it was supposed to. Florence and the machine were supposed to come on for the recessional. They didn't come on. It was silent. They walked down the thing in shame. And the pastor said, pretend like there's music. That literally happened. And then like after the whole wedding party had left, Dog Days starts playing. And I just couldn't help but think, perhaps uncharitably, but I think probably correctly, this pastor didn't believe in any authority. Now let's take our infinity stone and let's flash back to yesterday. To the rehearsal. To the rehearsal. Guess what? This guy's not exercising any authority over the rehearsal. He's not telling the sound guys, you got to get the cues right. He's not directing everybody. He's not just exercising authority over it. And look, it, it, the bride there is the one that's punished. Yeah, there's yeah. consequences. And so that is all a big metaphor for the Russo brothers and Kevin Feige and everybody. They don't believe in any of this stuff. And I think it affects their storytelling choices. Like the fact that this movie is kind of shapeless, the fact that the time travel doesn't really work, the fact that they don't really seem to care about the moral consequences. Like, it's all kind of of a piece. One of, one of the most telling scenes is Thor explaining the uh, 
the ether. What what I mean is you've got this scene and they're like talking about the infinity stones and trying to figure out where they're at and how they're going to go back and get them. And so Thor gets up and it's a, you know, supposed to be a funny scene. He's like, well, actually it's not really a, a stone. You should stop calling it a stone. It's more like an angry gas. And then he calls it a stone again immediately. And the whole point is none of this is actually consistent or makes sense, but that's okay. Just go with it. Like they don't actually. So that's why they, you think they did that? I think that's Yeah. Well, look, what here's what happens. All of Thor Dark World is like all of the the thousands of years of technology of Asgard can't remove the ether from Padme. Yeah. Right. Jane, Jane Foster. Sorry, I couldn't whatever her name is. Whatever her name is, Pat. Um and then, you know, we're going to go back. We're going to somehow we just have a thing where we can extract <laughs> extract it, like giving her a shot and then boom, we've got it. And then boom, we can crystallize it into a stone. And then boom, we can transfer it back to an angry gas. And then boom, we can go inject it back into her. Like, and all oh, Cap's going to do it all. This is all a whole bunch of hand waving. And I think that's just meta commentary on how absurd some of this stuff no, is. Mean, right there, yeah. they're just saying, yeah, we know this is all sort of absurd and silly and just go with it because that's not why you're here anyway. That does work for the, for the masses, but it doesn't work for... It's, it's lazy and cheap. Yeah. I don't, it's lazy and cheap. I don't, the think, decision I, I don't is, think it does work for the masses. I mean, I think people enjoy this movie, but I do not accept that everyone's just an idiot that likes dumb things. I think no. people, whether they can articulate it or not, probably do feel some disappointment. And I think it doesn't, like Stephen King has a saying that I like. He says, I could publish my laundry list and what's more, it could be a bestseller. But would they buy my next book? And I think trust will erode over time. And I predict that, you know, as we go, people lose their confidence in these movies. But like Star Wars, exactly like what happened with Star Wars. Yeah. Star Wars is just doing it quicker and dumber. But Star Wars is over. Star Wars is basically over. Well, I mean, what you were saying fits in with what I was about to say that, and I can't think of a better word than hipster. So mm-hmm. sorry about that. But what are they? Postmodern, maybe. They're postmodern. Better. So yeah, Pomo. I mean, they're very postmodern. Pomo, the Russo brothers in their style. And like most postmoderns and Pomos, they are uh, the one thing they're very confident about is they're, that they're smarter than everybody else in the room. Mm-hmm. And so they do things like they have Thor very ironically and meta explain this stone that's not really a stone. And then they also have, like I said, this scene where they're explaining the time travel and they're making fun of Back to the Future and all this other stuff where they're again meta making fun yep. of time travel movies in general. And so, yep. hey, guys, look at us. We realize that all this is just... And, dumb and we're as smart as you and we're very smart look at us all we're very and smart and we actually get it we've got a more yeah, consistent so, theory of time travel than so instead I, of a subtle wink like Joss Whedon it's just a very let's just wink at everything yeah well that's what you know they assume one that everybody's dumb and they also assume that everybody's going to go along for the ride and just go blind when they tell them to go blind yeah which I really resent because like there's a, there is a certain which kind is part of, of why I think I'm sorry to interrupt you but it's also part of why I think they had to had to do with Thor what they did. I think he's a fan service sacrifice because what, of what you're about to say. I'm not sure if I'm about to say the right thing, so maybe you should just say it. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought you were about to go into the thing that you had said to me yesterday or the day before about the attractiveness of the mythology and the consistency of it creating... You didn't even remember having this conversation. I mean, go on. It's probably a great point, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't... Were you just not... talking about how... 
nerds love the arcana and love all the details and love it all being consistent it's fun being able to get into it and that is kind of what i was gonna say and sort through how it all does actually work yeah this actually feels like a slap in the face of the nerds like the nerds want it to make sense they want to geek out about all the details and the movie is constantly making fun of you for that that's exactly right it's mocking you for caring about the details and it's like the fun of this is being ar- able to argue about it on the playground with your dumb friends. Like, yeah. that's why we like this. And I really resent the whole school. There's a certain kind of film goer who's petulantly lazy and says, it's just supposed to be fun. Just get over yourself and, and just buckle your seatbelt for the ride. It's fun. And it's like, but guess what's more fun? Things that make sense. Things <laughs> that reflect the wor- the moral world as God made it. Like, all these little details add up to a more enjoyable thing. Yeah. So just on the level of summer movie blockbuster popcorn fun, it's more fun when it's good. It's more fun when it's well-constructed. It's more fun when it makes sense. It's more fun when you don't have to think about plot holes. It's more fun when it holds oh. together. It's more fun when you don't That's... have to make, you don't plaster over your plot holes with meta jokes about how, this is full of plot holes. Right. That's why all the nerds are going to start moving to Stranger Things instead. No, what's going to happen? I'm sneering at Brandon right now. For I, like I said that, that just, for, just for Nathan's sake. But, yeah, I know. What's going to happen is the dude bros are going to go that much more full into the John Wick type things of the world. John Wick, yeah. Because you take Thor away and you take Captain America away. And you take away all the fathers and you say what we're doing is we're lining up a bunch of women to lead this forward. They're going to go into, you know, whatever the next fight club type thing is. I really think that's true. And I think that's accurate. I think that prophecy will come true and people will. It's it's it's, it's already coming true. DC was ahead of its time when they picked Zack Snyder to helm the DC EU. I think that if they launched tomorrow, like pretend that DC had done nothing for the last five or six years and they launched tomorrow as Zack Snyder-led DC Universe, everybody that was disaffected by, even that doesn't even know they're disaffected, is suddenly, they don't know what it is, but they're ready for that. Hmm. I, I don't know that I can quite go there with you on Zack Snyder because those movies are pretty bad. And uh, I'm not saying that the, those movies as they are, I'm just saying. Yeah, but something like, I think... Eventually, I think this eventually Joker movie is going to rake. What is it? The Joker Joker is oh, going to rake. Yeah, that's possible. That's possible. But I think eventually someone's going to really nail the formula and they're just going to give like all the disaffected males exactly the combination of non-panderings, non-SJW, completely mm. sexist, violent garbage. John Wick's with, kind of with that. With mythos. With, with, with a mythos that you can buy yeah. into that's just like hero worshiping. And it, it yeah. will be garbage. It will probably be evil in a completely yeah. different way than right. this modern progressive BS is. But somebody's eventually going to nail that formula and just make something that taps in, I dare say, taps into the zeitgeist in a yeah, way that absolutely. like all of our friends that frequent Dalrock's blog, if people are really going to be attracted to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, John Wick is actually probably the best thing you could say or the the closest to that kind of thing. But I think eventually someone's going to come up with the really nasty, kind of like Fifty Shades just bypassed everybody's defenses and just said, well, you guys aren't interested in this boring vanilla 
progressive sexuality. So here's some dirty real sex, and it's not real at all. It's that gross. F- that fetishizes author- d- dominance and submission, authority and submission. Right. They've gotten completely rid of a uh, rid of authority. So here's our brutal fetishized version, and you're all just gonna love it. I yeah. think somebody's gonna do that with the modern action movie hmm. with the modern special effects extravaganza and it's going to be huge and it's going to be divisive and it's going to be fun to watch from the sidelines oh it sounds like we have a screenplay to write <laughs> yeah our, our terrible nihilistic <laughs> mean meanwhile marvel's over marvel's dead yes it's dead and it i have no interest uh, in the marvel um, universe moving forward a machine that big you know the other i mean we could talk about what they've got left they've got shala he's a good father figure and he, they might be able to do something with him. Spider-Man's cool, but what did they do with Spider-Man in this movie? They made him the cute little boy that the whole, the 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 women are taking the the field mm-hmm. was kickstarted by Spider-Man getting knocked out, right? And it's like, he's knocked out. He's got the gauntlet. Captain Marvel shows up. Hey, Peter Parker. Hi, I'm Peter Parker. Hey, Peter Parker. Oh, man. And she's going to protect him, right? And she's going to take the gauntlet and do the thing. And then all the women line up, right? So what what do they do with Peter Parker? What do they do with Spider Man? They make him into this the cute little kid that needs the maternal protection of all huh. the. I mean, it's just it's just like not a lot of this in and of itself. Like Thor's mom was really great, mm-hmm. but the fact, the simple fact that Thor had to go to to mommy, right, is subversive. Yeah, and emblematic of where we're headed. Yeah, and that's that's what they were doing throughout the course of the whole. The whole movie. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, I don't think the next, I don't think phase four is going to suck. I think the next couple Spider-Men are going to be good. I think Guardians 3 will be fun and funny and artistic. I don't think you have to go out on a limb to say that. I I agree with you. But I think just in terms of, you know, it's like a machine, you know, it's big, it's huge. It's got momentum. It just because just because the engine dies doesn't mean the car's not going to still going to stop because yeah it's going to roll yeah. for miles and miles and miles and miles because it was going a million miles an hour but the engine died and yeah. the engine died when Robert Downey Jr. got killed and they decided that all fathers needed to to die with him right and we could talk about how awesome Robert Downey Jr. is and maybe this isn't a podcast for that but but yeah I think Spider Man will have a lot of like and I was thinking. Just this morning, like, man, they can do so much and they can live off of Robert Downey Jr.'s legacy with Spider-Man. Like, yeah. you know, Spider-Man's lost two father figures. He's lost Uncle Ben, which they've never even bothered exploring, which has been a really smart and great move on their part. And now he's lost Robert Downey Jr. Who's going to step, like, how's he going to deal with that? Well, let me go ahead and ask a question. Robert Downey Jr. hologram cameo Absolute, in the next Spider-Man movie? Absolutely. Right. No question. Be, you would think. No question. Um, or voice cameo. Something. Something. Probably, I mean, what I would predict. If and a gonna, total tearjerker. If they're just going to do like the lame obvious thing. Second act, end of second act, Peter's down in the dumps. The bad guy looks like he's going to win. Oh, what's this weird thing on my suit? Exactly. Hi, Peter. Exactly. <laughs> yep. I've had the same thought. And you know what? I've also, I also think that eventually far enough down the line, They'll bring him back as an AI, or as AI can't like even just his voice, like yeah. a voice, sort of like what they'll end up with is they'll end up finding ways to uh, Stanley him. Wouldn't surprise me. I mean, the only argument against that is he might be very a very expensive Stanley. Yeah, but uh, yes, he might be, but he also knows that it's his legacy and. Has some loyal, some actual loyalty. Yeah, some actual loyalty and gratitude. That it's sort of like 
Y- y'all may not. Y'all know who John Calipari is. Nope. Nope. He's a head coach of Kentucky basketball. Oh, yeah. And yep. UCLA tried to hire him away, and Kentucky gave him a lifetime contract. Mm-hmm. And so what that means is that when he retires, when he retires, he draws it, he continues to draw an annual salary from the University of Kentucky as an ambassador of Kentucky right. basketball. Nice. I wouldn't be surprised if there actually isn't some kind of deal. Like no, it wouldn't that. shock me either. Yeah. Robert Downey Jr., I mean, you, Robert Downey Jr. has a really cocky star persona, but you see interviews with him and stuff. He's pretty humble about the fact that his career was over. He'd messed up. He'd, he was famous for an instant. I forget exactly what the, the incident was, but it was with drugs or prostitutes or something. Like He'd really ruined things for himself. And then the MCU took a wild chance on this guy who wasn't an A-lister, and they gave him a second chance. I saw an interview with him after the first Iron Man came out where he's just talking about like, I, I don't, you know, he said a few months ago, I did an interview with GQ where I was smoking cigars and talking about women. I don't want to do that anymore. That's not my persona anymore. Like I'm Iron Man now. Like kids, kids are looking to me. I want to huh, like, yeah. he's, he's actually aware of the legacy in a really yeah. cool way. You compare that, of course, to Chris Evans and Brie Larson, who just Total who could care less about the legacy, think that they deserved it and think that it's a platform for them to spew their nonsense yeah chris evans and brie larson think that they made captain america and captain marvel and not that captain america made yeah chris evans which what had chris evans ever done before jake not another teen movie come on exactly not another teen movie and a failed fantastic four movie yep great that's right he was in that he was he played the johnny or something i don't know i've never seen those neither have i he played the chris evans part one other thing i just in terms of Spider-Man that I think is a cool idea that I had this morning. And that's that John Favreau's happy can carry some emotional fatherly weight moving forward. And I think that that's actually a pretty sweet idea. That's where I, th- well, I think that's suggest rec- um, at least hinted at with the trailers, right? I mean, he's always been sort of comedic relief, but if you watched homecoming, he's just sort of like annoyed, but he's got sort of, but I think that, Cheeseburgers Ouch. was one of the most moving moments of Endgame. Yeah, Endgame. Mm-hmm. Such a great callback to that first Iron Man movie. Comes out of captivity and he wants his cheeseburgers, and Happy's got to go get the cheeseburgers, and you know, and it's a Favreau film, and so it's like got that all that double meaning of yeah. you know Favreau's and RDJ started it, and there they are, and I could see a Happy that is just committed to is so loyal, has been so loyal to Tony and is just committed to continuing that. I could also see a happy who's a dumb clown that's in the way because these people suck Need to and grow. don't... No, I mean, because... Because these people are stupid because about the filmmakers hate father figures and would rather happy suck. Um, but, 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 but I think that if they're smart and... I mean, they've not made many missteps with... This is such a huge misstep. Well, minus ruining everything, they haven't made many missteps. And I actually mean that statement sincerely. Yeah, but I think that they will allow father figures in tertiary roles. Yeah, I'm worried they want it to be Sam Fury, and so or whatever his name is, Nick Nick, Fury. No, that won't work. Well, we'll see. I hope you're right. I'm just not getting my hopes up. They got in the trailer. They got Happy hitting on Aunt May. Yeah, Yeah, I think it'll just be like goofy old Happy (laughs) can't leave well enough alone. No, Jean Favreau's not that dumb. He would tell them, "Oh, whatever." I I want to believe it. you, Jake. I hope you're right, but I'm just not getting my hopes up. That's all. Brandon, your thoughts? 
I just hope that pig shows up. They're going to... Spider-Verse. That would be cool. They are going to give us Miles Morales. Really? I mean, they set it up, at least, in Homecoming. They have his uncle in it. Oh. oh. Donald Glover is his uncle. Uncle Aaron, who also is uh, the shock... He's one of... No, he's not the shocker. He's one of... He's a villain right, in the right, Spider right. universe. The night, not Nightcrawler. You want to talk about a good superhero movie? That's a good superhero movie. What? You Sp- want to talk about? Spider-Man you want to talk about Spider Verse? You want to talk about why I do not forgive the "it's just a popcorn" kind of mistakes, just a popcorn movie kind of mistakes that Endgame makes? Because there are actual smart, savvy, progressive, not on the same yeah. philosophical wavelength, but still just smart filmmaker people out there that make things like. Into the Spider Verse, which is that a fantastically well made movie, awesome, great movie, yeah, awesome movie, one of the best superhero movies. Yes, sorry, I'm going to say of all time. Right? I'm not going to go there with you because I'm a contrarian. But so I what just, are they for you? What are the best superhero movies of all time? Uh, Steel, starring Shaq, obviously would be number one. Yeah, Blade, Blade Three, Blade Three, Three. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kazam, Kazam, whatever that movie with, with Tim Allen, where he teaches kids to be superheroes in some kind of Sky University or something. Oh yeah, yeah, probably Sky University. Sky University, <laughs> yeah. Incredibles two, Incredible. Oh boy, there's some clunkers out there, folks. Batman and Robin, um, Batman Forever. Nah, into the Spider Verse. Here's all right. I'm just gonna tell people my opinion on into the Spider Verse. I think it is perfect. I think it is a perfect movie. I also think it is about a subject that I don't care about which is superheroes. Ethnicity. And ethnicity. (laughs) Like, it is the perfect movie. It is also all about itself, and that's not a topic that I personally am all that interested or invested Mm -hmm. in. And so the movie is like a three out of four for me, not a four out of four. But I can see how if you really like that kind of stuff, it's a four out of four. So... Uh, in, in terms of, I'm it's, not going to even go there with you on what it's about. That's but, an awfully relativistic way of looking at it, Nathan. Well, yeah, you're right. You're right. Life is relative in certain ways, Brandon. Well, I don't know. It's just it's like they keep flashing comics, and it's like comics are important, and it's just like that's just part no, of the not. aesthetic. I don't of agree the film, with you, movie, which I thought was innovative and cool and, good, yeah. and neat. Yeah, I'm, no, guys, I like it. Like, Everybody acts like I'm such a grump just because I don't want to say this is the Citizen Kane of movies. Citizen Kane is the Citizen Kane of movies, though. Citizen Kane is overrated. Oh, Brandon, you can take a long walk in the sticks, my friend. But Choose which direction. I really like it. I said it's a perfect movie. It is a perfect movie. It's it just, is perfect. It's just not that good. Well, Nathan, your credibility uh, is... Yeah, whatever. It's no Amazing Spider-Man 2, as our friend who wasn't ben, allowed. Ben Solzer. Ben Solzer would say. No, yeah. no, no. It's a perfect movie. It really is. It's, it's fantastic great. It's great. Movie. It's wonderful. It's just... I guess I don't understand the phrase, how can it be the perfect movie, but not be great? Well, because the perfect movie about, oh, I don't know, what's, what's, what's a perfect movie? Like, The Last Waltz is a perfect concert film about the band, The Band. It's by Martin Scorsese. It's perfect. It's a perfect concert film, but I don't like the band. I don't like their music. And so I don't like that movie. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, kind of the same thing. It's a really well done movie. It's about a subject matter that I don't believe in. It's about like the power of myth or something. I don't even know. It's but whatever whatever the the thematic thing that it concerns itself with is not something that I quite buy into. And so therefore it's a three three and a half out of four. Brennan and Jake are both staring at me. I'm not sure. yeah, this argument, Nathan. It's great. It's this is probably this is probably one of the weaker arguments you've had in a while. Nah, this is a good argument. I think it's pretty bad. No. <laughs> why why? 
I don't know. Just because the content doesn't do it for you, therefore that gives it like a whole half star, one star off. No, no, no. I'm not. I, I am talking relativistically. I'm saying for me. Well, I don't even know that you've read the content right. So, well, I don't, that's. I guess that's not what I like. I'm. You're. You're moving. Yeah. Oh, relativistic angle. Oh, now what's I'm three? For, what's three for you? Was four. Oh, wait, for me. No, no. Look, it's a. Bit... What if I just don't like superheroes? Then The Dark Knight isn't a good movie, and it's not because I don't appreciate the craft that goes into it. I just don't like superheroes, which isn't me. I do like superheroes. I do like The Dark Knight. But you know, what if you're just not interested in the topic that a movie's about? It That's... can be a. It can be a great movie. So would you be yeah, okay no, with I some? I agree with that premise. Okay, you just don't think I have accurately. Mm. Assess the topic of that movie. That's well, I have only seen it once to the nine times that you guys have both seen it. We have seen it quite a few times. Um, My kids really like that movie. I've probably seen it three times, right? Yeah, I don't have kids, so I haven't. uh, If I did, I assume I would have seen it a lot more. So, with your premise, would you be okay with someone who's not into whatever it is that Citizen Kane is about agreeing that it's a fantastic movie but saying it's a three? Yeah, if yeah, I would. If somebody said Citizen Kane is a perfect movie. I'm really not interested in black and white movies about newspaper barons. I acknowledge that it's great. Objectively speaking, it's just not for me. That's fine. Or it's not as much for me as it might and be so for So it would be people. okay with you for them to give that movie three out of four stars? If the scale was just them expressing their own desire to rewatch it or to assess it for as them. As opposed to what the movie deserves. Yeah, if, if I'm going to give... okay. Will this make you happy? Maybe this will solve the problem. If I'm going to say objectively... What does it do the Spider-Verse deserve? Four out of four. Okay. Completely. That's all that was bothering me. No, no, no. Okay, so we're on the same page. Yeah. I'm only saying when I come to it, I don't personally feel... I, I may be responding wrongly even. It's just, it's not for me. That's okay. all. And I think if more people like were like me, more people would be smart, but that's okay. You know, people have to grow and change and learn. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Some people can be really smart. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we're not talking. How did we get off on this? All right, Avengers: Age of Ultron. Yes, <laughs> not a great movie. <laughs> no, but the key to figuring out this movie in advance. Yeah, kind of the most. But not really worth it in the end. Yeah, that think, was the movie that unlocked almost everything I figured out about the plot. It actually holds up. Of Endgame, I think Ultron is actually better the second time. It's, it's better. It, it, it's actually it holds a up. Bit. It holds up better in retrospect. I think what had happened is that we were all tired of Joss Whedon. Right. And the Russo brothers made us that much more tired of Joss Whedon with Winter Soldier. Right. And so it felt stale. But everything that's happened since then, I think there's a lot to be said for a lot of the Joss Whedon-y aspects of Age of Ultron that fell flat on the first viewing. Uh, I wish that they would have given Endgame to Whedon. I think he could, I have, I think he could have nailed it. And I think still give Infinity War to the Russos. But just yeah. have, just have Whedon uh, back cleanup basically, yeah. and he he could really do it in a way that they didn't. Yeah, um, yeah, it wouldn't have felt as epic, but it would have all landed much better. Well, the way they've done Star Wars, give it back to JJ. Yeah, there's a reason they're doing that, and it's smart. It's also too late, but it's it's, it's smart. We'll do another episode on Star Wars. I'm sure we'll do plenty of episodes. Yeah. on Star Wars. Um, is there anything else that you guys are just our episodes getting pretty long here? Is there anything that you guys are just itching to say about this movie? Ah, uh, um, no. That middle act is pretty darn shapeless and lackluster in the action department. Like, there's not a lot of action. The first two acts had a lot of problems structurally, but they were both filled with a lot of good moments. And they, I think the moments did, they they were counting on the moments to carry uh, you through the acts. 
But and I, also I think, think for the most part they did. These are hangout movies. That yeah. it, you you do need to realize that that the genre is in fact hangout movie. Right. It's, so that it's like a uh, what do you, what do you call that when you get to be, get back together with your high school friends? Reunion. Yeah, it's a re- reunion with all these people that you've grown to love. Yeah. So uh, part of the fun Hulk, is just Hulk at the time restaurant. Yeah. Like with Ant Man and and Scarjo and Cap. Like that's a necessary scene and a great scene. And oh, he wants to picture. And it was one of my kids' favorite scenes, yeah. actually. Yeah, I think there's a lot of stuff. Where it breaks down for me is really the the time travel scenes just feel like they could either be, I don't know, it just feels like they could be better somehow. They could either be truncated so we just get through that well, stuff Well, a lot quickly. of the drama, just a lot of the drama of those things felt contrived. Yeah. And, Even you know, like, you know, some of it was as simple as, oh, I've got a great idea. We want... Tony to go and see his dad and Cap to go back and see Peggy. Right. Well, how do we get there? Well, we have to contrive a way where it actually makes sense. So let's put them in a place. Let's have, let's contrive a bunch of drama. Let's try to make it funny. And then let's. Yeah. Which the great template, which they mocked is back to the future for that kind of stuff. Or specifically back to the future too, for is the template for, everything's convoluted and there's twist on top of twist and this person went back to this time and that's the movie that you got to watch but they didn't really felt like that's what they were going for oh no loki's got the thing oh now it's even more complicated but for whatever reason it didn't really land nope Uh, back to the future 2 sucked i liked that one as a kid i haven't seen it since then the first one and the third one were the best as a kid the third one kind of sucks as an adult though probably as an adult it's inverted sort of like Indiana Jones. Yes, true. Well, we'll we'll talk about the Indiana Jones movies one day on this podcast, I'm sure. Brandon, final thoughts and Avengers and game. Uh, are we giving it like a seal of approval or something? Yeah, we'll give it the sanity at the movies. S A T M A. Sam, just Sam. Yeah, the Sam. Give it the Sam. The the S A M A E. The Sam A. I give the award it of excellence. Three out of five Sams. Three out of five. How Sams? We, how we get the Samoa? Outstanding sanity at the movies, outstanding award. Okay, Samoa, Samoa. All right, yeah, I give it <laughs> three out of five Samoas. Yes, and we get five out of five racial understanding awards. Yeah, I guess you can have those. Thank you. Sure, you get three out of five Samoas. Yeah, three out of five Samoas. I thought it was fine, but the problems were pretty significant for me. So, especially the way they ended Cap. So, for me, that takes. We didn't even talk about all the ways they could have fixed that. Yeah, there are lots of ways I could have fixed it. Jake has great ways, or do you and Jake have good ways? Oh, we should say this really quick. So here's the way you fix it, folks. First of all, there are lots of ways to do it differently right. that work. But if you don't want to change much of anything... You still want to get the same basic result, but not make Cap into a selfish jerk? Here's what you do. All right, Cap, we're sending you back. Where's Cap? I messed with the controls. Or, or you know what? Somebody better go back with Cap to help make sure all these stones go in the right place. I think it should be Bucky. All right, guys. I'm Bucky. I'm so the most vanilla character in the MCU. All right. I can't take Cap's shield, not because it needs to be given to the black guy for progressive reasons, but because I am the most terrible casting decision that the MCU has ever made. Yep. And I have a dumb haircut. All right. I'm getting on the thing <laughs> with you, Cap. Okay, now we're going back and we're putting all the stones back in place. Hooray! Wait, let me 
see that dial that you have there. Oh no, now we're in the 1940s. Oh, well, Bucky, um, as Captain America, I really I think have you to should go take us back. back. We have to go back now. No, we don't. Now we're gonna fight, and I'm gonna bust up your thing, Cap. Cap, you deserve this. It's time to go home. The war is over, Cap. No, Rest. Bucky. no, Bucky, no. <laughs> and Cap looks up, and he's in front of Peggy Carter's house. Right, and he 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 knocks on the door. And she opens it up and she's like, <gasps> well, may- maybe she just opens it and we just stay on her face if we want to be artistic. But we don't. Let's face it. We think the audience We're, is stupid. And, and 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 we need to see that stupid dance. Right. And we need that stupid line. No, no, no. So they're going to dance. No, 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 no. No, they're not going to dance because no, we no, are, we, we're, dance. we're doing this idea. So we're smarter. What we're doing is he's just going to say, Peggy. Peter Jackson. They're going to dance. No, Peter Jackson's an idiot. Peter and- Jackson's <laughs> going to dance? Yeah, yeah. He Peter Jackson. Peggy. Big fat Peter Jackson should be called Larjo. I've been Hydra all along, and <laughs> right. then he shoots her. Hail Hydra. Yeah, Hail Hydra. <laughs> no, he just says... That, that awesome was a good ending. joke, by the way. That was a good joke. No, he just says, I'm home. That would be a great tearjerker yeah, of a last absolutely. line. Absolutely. And she and they, and they hug, and the music wells. Or oh. they don't even hug. I'm home. I would... Like, I could make some of myself crying just imagining it. That's how they do that. And then he says, one day I'm going to... By the way, I kissed your niece. Mm, That's Um, problematic. But hey, she's not going to exist now because I'm the one having your babies. Yeah, but... Nieces aren't affected by babies that you have. Yeah, you can't go... It could be. You don't know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We're going to make sure that (laughs) your sister doesn't get together with that one dude. And also, we can affect the timeline now. Great makeup on old Cap. Um, I'm going to give this movie... So this is interesting... Jake, did you give it a star, a, a Samoa no. rating? No. Go ahead. I'm it a four out of five. You know, I don't know what I want to give it. There's part of me that wants to say it's almost like on a relative scale, like if we want to take my Spider-Verse thing, it actually works better. Like I'm so invested in this, these characters and this stuff that it all basically works. But in terms of the craftsmanship and like, is this actually any good? It might really just be like a, a two out of five or something like that. But in terms of emotion and involvement and basically paying off those things it feels like a four out of five so i'm gonna split the difference and call it a three out of five yes i win (laughs) (laughs) i i just don't think four out of five seems a little high for how clunky so much of this movie is well i'm gonna take it just in terms of i'm i'm taking it i didn't get a chance to justify it so i'm gonna justify it go ahead I'm taking it in context as a consummate film. They gave a lot of great character moments throughout the whole three hours. When you think about a lot of the plot movement stuff as as a storyteller, like they had so much to do. And there's a lot that I sort of, you know, on the one hand, the time, the resources that they had, they really should have just made a great movie. On the other hand, they had so much they were trying to do. And they gave a lot of great moments and a lot of great em- emotional payoffs, despite a lot of really dumb, idiotic decisions. Yeah, I don't but... know why. Maybe it's just my inner sentiment. Cin- Some of it is like things we didn't talk about. Like Nebula was awesome. Nebula was awesome. Um, I I thought I, he was a build a bear. Tony got to insult the raccoon. That oh was nice. man, yeah. Um, uh, well, and wh- what else he called him? Ratchet. Ratchet. Yeah. Ratchet and Clank. Finding Thanos and cutting off his head in like the first ten minutes was fun. Yeah, um, I 
I thought Natasha's death was good, yes. and no, I don't care what anybody says. I didn't says. care for that at all. I thought that was lame and unemotional. And by anybody, I mean you, because yeah. you're the only person that didn't care about it. Yeah. No, you heartless. Um, I am Grinch. heartless. But I don't know. I thought you know Hulk was good. Yeah, but any movie that retroactively makes me never want to watch another, never want to go back and watch the old Captain America movies does not deserve four out of five. Okay, if that's the standard, then I give it zero out of five stars because that is true. I don't want to go back and watch any of the Cap movies. I don't care. It will only make me angry. If if it does anything, it will make me angry to watch those old Cap movies. They stole that from me. They stole that from me and my kids. And so can can you maybe steal a Samoa point from them then? Can we get this knocked down to a three out of five? A consistent three, absolutely. Oh. I mean, it's not hard to talk me. Give it a five out of five I, for I Tony. Hate, Give I, it a five out of five for the comedy, but then I think balance that it, out it, against the zero out of five. I think Cap, Thor, and the women, it's just so bad, but I can't forgive them for taking Cap away from me and my kids. And what are my boys supposed to do going forward? You know, looking at this stuff like... Your boys are supposed to be... Thankful for women. (laughs) Yeah. No, your boys are supposed to be... I I can't think of a good word, so I'm going to use a lame internet word. Your boys are supposed to be betas, Jake. Yeah. Because that's what their heroes are. That's what Chris Pratt is. And it's funny. It's fun and it's funny. Yeah, we didn't talk about what they did to Chris Pratt in Infinity War, which was fine so long as we had... That's great. Like, Mm. okay, Chris Pratt in the Guardians movies, pretty good hero, actually. Right. But when you pull him in and you have to stand him up next to Thor, Cap, and Tony, it was a nice move to subvert him and make him impotent in some ways for the purposes of Infinity War but then they just did it to everybody else. That's unforgivable. Yep. Yeah. Well, these movies So zero out of five. I just think they don't have any concept of discipline or of atonement or anything like that. I mean, to use some big Christian-y words, but like, let's just see the scene where everybody's mad at Chris Pratt because- Yeah. He blew it. He couldn't wait two seconds to kill Thanos. Instead, he had to hit him with the butt of his gun and he ruined everybody's lives for five years. Yeah, just be thankful that he didn't destroy half the universe with that dumb like. And those kinds of scenes actually resonate with kids and resonate with me. We've all been there. Like we made a mistake. If you can actually play it that way, if you can actually give us the like, mm-hmm. you really messed up scene. James Gunn will do it. James Gunn. James Gunn's a great filmmaker. He's also a perverse dude. But I'm sure we could talk about that when Guardians Three comes. They'll out. make a. They'll make a point of it. He'll make oh, yeah. a point no, of James, it. James James Gunn's 3. really smart. We can. You think he will. Yeah, I think he will. I think that they he might make a running joke of it, but he'll he won't not he won't fail to acknowledge it. You, well, just you don't like come back. Look. You don't bring the guardians back. Like you don't come back from something like that. You so know. So do you what trust I mean? him Without, to give some sort of resolution to Thor's arc? I don't know what they're going to do with Thor. I don't know. I think they're, uh, the last I had seen Hemsworth had said that he would be happy to come back for another Thor movie if Taika Waititi was on it, which doesn't mean that he's cast in Guardians 3, although they set it up that way. I think there's perfectly good reason to think, because we've spared, we, we've got Loki back in our timeline now, like the Guardians can go out in between Pratt trying to find Gamora and Thor trying to find or deal with Loki, like all kinds of cool, fun, hilarious comedy to be had out there, but I don't know. Yeah. The Guardians movies are smart. We can talk, but they're also kind of, I have mixed feelings about them, but we can talk about that some other time. They're also the ones that I am 
least likely to show to any of my kids. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But as an adult and not a kid, I think they are far and away the maybe some of the only movies that aren't hangout movies, but are actually like movie movies with like a plot and characters yeah. and like things that happen that make sense well, and are well yeah. thought through. And tracks. Uh, <laughs> humor that's like, and not just like quips, creative, but creative yeah. and world built, like not world building. Although in the Guardians of, 2, the humor went. Yeah, the humor kind of sucks in Guardians 2, but uh, visual but, design, color, special effects used by somebody with some creativity and some yeah, vision. Yeah. yeah. Like, those movies are really... They are good. They are good. I don't know. I keep mentioning Drax because they're, he's probably one of my favorite characters. Yeah, no. Drax is hilarious. Yeah. He wasn't hilarious in Guardians 2. No, but he, but he but was, they, they got he him was back hilarious in Infinity, Infinity War. Infinity War, yeah. yeah. He yeah. was one of the best parts. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll do you one better. Why? Is but yeah... Yes. <laughs> Yandu... That was imp- that was an improv line. Was that really? Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot to hate about Guardians 2 or to find distasteful, but the whole arc with... Yondu and the father stuff was actually really great. Yep. And at one of the most emotional, straight up emotional moments in the whole MCU. Agreed. Yeah. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all, or whatever. Yeah. That's good stuff. That's a great line. And he has that awesome scene where he kills everybody with his whistle. I've got some mixed feelings about that scene. You don't like that scene? Well, sitting in a room or sitting in a theater full of 10 year olds. Well, okay. Watching all this murder happen. Uh, felt it's very choreographed though. Yeah, no, it's it's well done it's in, the, in the same sense that a Quentin Tarantino scene is well done. I just don't yeah. know that either one should be watched by ten year olds. I don't know. Well, I agree with that. Yeah, but I'm not sure that Guardian movies should be watched by ten year olds. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. Well, fine, Nathan. We agree <laughs> with one another. All We're right. all in agreement. Three stars, three BSOAs, or whatever they are. Well, guys, we've officially gone longer than the movie, maybe. Three hours, really? No, we haven't actually gone longer than the movie. We've gone longer than many movies. Tonight's <laughs> Movies was produced by Nathan executive produced by jake and nathan we want to thank our good booking friend brandon for stopping by thank you brandon anytime nathan oh you'll be back many times my friend to talk about more stuff we'll be back in another what's that there's some sort of bug moving across the floor very slowly let's do that we'll be back in another couple weeks or we'll be back the week after next with another great episode and until next time i am iron man and i am inevitable (laughs) 